Welcome to Cape and Ray Hall, nestled in the beautiful landscapes between England's national parks. As a Bible school, we offer short-term courses aimed at fostering your spiritual growth and living in a community. Our historic manor house has something for everyone. You can enjoy indoor and outdoor adventures, connect with students from around the world, and learn how to deepen your relationship with Jesus Christ. Search Cape and Ray England for more information. Leadership File on Premier. Welcome to the show which talks to leaders about topics that really matter. I'm Andy Peck. This week we're looking at reaching the community by talking to Paul Unsworth who runs the charity to Kahila. Normally just me asking the questions but also in the room is Rob Stevens on the pastoral team at Bookham Baptist and looking at local mission as part of his sabbatical and he's helped to form some of the questions. So welcome Paul to Leadership Farm. Thank you, it's good to be here. And uh, welcome to, to Rob too. Thank you, good to be here. Um, so Paul, tell us about yourself and your, your background first of all. Okay, so um, I was, well I didn't grow up in a Christian family, I became a Christian when I was uh, the age of 16 uh, in a place called Frinton-on-Sea and um, and then part of the journey, I ended up feeling called into youth ministry. So I ended up being a youth pastor in a Baptist church in East London um, for 11 years. And it was kind of during that time, really, that um, I started to investigate a wider ministry and being ordained as a Baptist minister. And I think during the time of being a youth pastor, uh, seeing uh, a number of young people kind of growing up discipling nurturing through church but but never quite making the transition into uh, adult church uh, in some places and I also think so there was this time when I was thinking about being ordained was asking the question what kind of church could I lead um, either I would kill it or it would kill me if I was in uh, depending on some of the churches and uh, was thinking um, about the other tensions about the, the dying generation of the church and things like that um and so yeah so so i suppose part of the journey was thinking of having not quite grown up in a church uh always had to assimilate to church and then thinking about what then as i went into ministry what kind of church could i lead kind of led to uh setting up something like kahila which part of east london uh so kahila is based on brick lane um in east london but it's um and it's grown that we kind of planted another missional community in Forest Gate, and uh, and so yeah, things are kind of growing and developing. Um, and, and so, what were the mechanisms towards starting Kahila? What happened? Well, yeah. So I suppose as I just mentioned, some of the tensions that were building up, and uh, again asking the question, what kind of church could I lead? So I went down to Brook Lane one Sunday morning at eleven o'clock. And um, and every Sunday they estimate there's about twenty thousand people walking up and down uh, Brick Lane because of the various different markets there. And and I remember very clearly seeing one guy. All he had to sell was a a, a second-hand pair of trainers and a blanket. And you know, a few stores down there were like artisans sort of selling expensive jewelry and clothing and and then antiques and um, and and it, so that that was kind of a real visual impact and as we were walking it down there were there were muslims out on the street evangelizing uh, giving out tracts saying come and hear about the true islam not what we hear about in the media 
Uh, and then there were tarot card readings going on and spiritual healing going on. But what really struck me is that there was no Christian witness because at 11 o'clock on a Sunday morning, most Christians, at least the good Christians, are in church. <laughs> um, so, so it kind of got me thinking about here the, the vast majority of the, the people are what be seen as the missing generation or the dying generation in our church and was thinking about okay how do you reach these people when there's so many other things presenting truth and uh, there was no message of Christ in that place so it began to think about how do we do church differently to reach a completely unchurched generation right. and so were you, were you supported financially at this point were you or you know was there any uh, no, that was still part of the uh, process of going mm. through his training to become a Baptist minister. Right. Um, and it was... So basically, from there, it was, I was still working in the church. And um, and then I was... When I'd finished being ordained, going through the process, I put my... We managed to get a group of people praying around the air, try and get it going. But it never really took off. So I almost gave up on it. Um, and walked away but at the time there was um, there were no jobs available so I think God uh, kind of shut all avenues down and so the person at the time said look I think we should you should just have another go at Brick Lane at which point it all took off really um, so I used to one young lad came to do a year out with us and um, he he felt really cool to come and get involved in it and he was part of a, a wealthy uh, Anglican church in Surrey and from there a lot of people gave generously to to get it off the ground um, and I think you know it was I suppose it was a the vision of Brick Lane I think the fact that it is 20,000 people majority of people who are not engaged with church um, and are seeing as that dying generation along with the fact that we were saying because I suppose we asked the question how do you like what does church look like for these people like why do we do church the way that we do and um, and why is it that these people are are not engaged with it so we ask the question of how do this generation view the church and I think sometimes we don't ask these questions enough how do how do people view the church and and I, I think interestingly the Millennials don't view it in a negative sense they don't kind of they're not hostile or anti it's just it's just not relevant for them they just don't know about it so they'll tend to say ah oh, it's not for me I'm not religious um, but they will um, and it's funny because we don't see ourselves as religious so you know one thing we always feel defensive about is when people say oh I'm not religious and we're all another am I we're about being in relationship with Jesus Christ but um, but yeah so I think from there we began to think about okay how do they view the church how do they view Christians and um, and so therefore how do we begin to do church that's a bit more relevant for them what did, and what does that uh, what does that relevance look like um, when you started to try and answer that question yeah well I mean I always kind of I started with a saying that we like I think they see the church as a little bit like a red telephone box mm -hmm. like that it's part of um, it's it's part of you know, there's a red telephone box. It's typically British. You know, you, if you're watching a film, um, whether it be like a Jason Bourne film or James Bond, like if you see the red telephone box, you know that you're back in the UK. And um, and so we're attached to it, and it's iconic. And it's, and they see our churches a bit like that. They're they're on every high street. They're iconic. They're part of our ancestry, and they're beautiful architecture. But 
but a red telephone box no longer has any relevance for our lives because we all have mobile phones. They look at the church going, this is no longer relevant for me. It represents something of a of a bygone era. So, so for us, it was starting to say, well, we believe that the gospel is relevant for today, as, as relevant as it's ever been. And so therefore, how do we make that more accessible for them? And, and I always kind of have a phrase of, let's give people what they want, and then we can give them what they need. And I think so often as a church, we focus on what people need. Oh, you need to know about the person of Jesus Christ and, and, the, and the relevance that he has for your life today. Um, but a lot of them go, no, I don't. That's not, that's not for me. So we kind of thought, well, let's give people what they want. And most people love a good cup of coffee or a good cup of tea. And they love a gr- everyone loves a great bit of cake. And you just sit down because everyone wants relationship. Everyone wants to be in community and to, to share life with other people. And so a coffee shop is a perfect place for that. If you know, if, if one of your friends phones you up and says, hey, Andy, I'm, I'm going for a bit of a troubling time. Um, can we meet up and, and have a chat? You'll say, yeah, OK, let's let's go and have a coffee together and, and let's talk about it. Um, and then over that, you're, you're sharing life. And so the idea of Kahilo is that we want to be the church at the center of that. So as people are sharing life, we're at the center of that, building those relationships, like sharing life with them, hearing their stories, sharing our stories. And why why the name? Kahila, um, it's a mix of two Hebrew words um, that means life in community. Um, so Kahila without the A in the middle, K-A-H-I-L-A, is community in Hebrew. And Chai um, is another word of saying life in community, H-A-I. So by adding A into the middle of Kahila, we've created the word life in community, and, and that's what we're about, bringing life into community. So it's a bit like the orange is a um, in a mobile phone. In other words, it, it doesn't connect, but people get to know what orange means yeah. in that context, and so they get to know. It's a bit of a confusing word, but it's a you know a journey into. Yeah, yeah, and it, uh, it's funny how a lot of people from a Jewish background resonate with the word. They go, mm. "Oh, that that's like the word community." And we go, yeah, that that is, that's what we're about. And um, and then we point out that high in in the middle is saying life in community. So it's so for people outside London, just to explain, Brick Lane is quite a mixed ethnically, but it has a Jewish, some Jewish roots. Yeah, so sort of historically, I mean, Brick Lane has been around for for many centuries. Mm. I think um, the and and it's been seen as the gateway for migrant communities to come into London. So it was the the Huguenots, the Irish, the the Jewish, and now it's the Bengali. And Brick Lane is in in a heart of East London, part of Shoreditch, um, and so it's a very kind of as well as all those migrant communities, a very bohemian artsy community as well. And and it's not just a cafe. There's other things that you do as well. Yeah. So I I suppose these things came about through us being as a church and I'll share a bit more about that first but I'll tell you what we do we um, well I suppose it's fair to, to start with when we started out as a church as a cafe that was just our vision we didn't have a vision for some of the other things that we did but as a pastor rather than trying to ask people to come and serve my vision in, in kind of I want to grow this church um, can you come and lead worship or can you come and do these other things it was like how do I as a pastor, release people into what God's called them to. And uh, one young woman, she had a real heart to, to work in prisons. So we said, look, I'll employ you um, one day a week to go and work in the prisons. And the rest of the time, we'll employ you in the cafe. 
and and so in no time uh, Joe's gone and got access to the prisons gone and doing mentoring and education program in in what was Holloway Road prison but now it's been moved um, it's, but she's, the ministry is still continuing um, and then and so that's growing and developing and um, and then another young woman within Kahila she had a real heart to work with women vulnerable women in the area primarily at the time women who were involved in prostitution um, and so we said well look we'll employ you a day a week to go and start building relationships with these vulnerable women and then and again in no time she came back and saying hey look their biggest need is an alternative means of employment um, which makes sense doesn't it when you think about it um, and I said well look we're selling huge amounts of cake through the cafe why why don't we set up a bakery and so we didn't know anything about baking at the time um, so we, we set about setting up a bakery and we, we take uh, these vulnerable women on a six month um, like life skills course but we also train them with baking skills helping them back into employment and creating some employment for some of the women and so we opened we've been borrowing kitchens for the last two years but we opened our own bakery just three weeks ago in Stoke Newington and we're now supplying Fortnum and Mason um, with baked goods and and then the, the third project is again another young woman had a heart for women who had been trafficked she was working with trafficked women out in Bangkok for five and a half years came back to London realized it's a huge issue in the UK and um, and what these women need is an alternative place to live so we said okay let's let's look at working to to set up a safe house so at the beginning of this year we opened our first safe house in London rescuing uh, traffic women we're well, listening to the leadership file with me Andy Peck I'm joined this week by Paul Unsworth uh, Paul is uh, involved in a community called Kahila and we'll be back just after this Welcome back to Leadership File with me, Andy Peck. I'm joined this week by Paul Unsworth. Paul is a run to charity Kahila. Uh, and also in the room is uh, is Rob Stevens on the pastoral team at uh, Book and Baptist, interested in this whole area of mission. And so we're kind of quizzing a little bit uh, Paul on his uh, work. And so before the break, we heard how he had this kind of uh, concern to particularly reach those who, who wouldn't traditionally go to church and uh, was concerned with how they viewed church. And I love the idea, uh, Paul, of the concept of church seen a little bit like a telephone box yeah that it's it's there it's part of life but it's not relevant and that's how people sadly uh, see the local church so, so thank you for that so you've got you're running a, a successful cafe business and outreach to holloway prison a home for trafficked women and a church as, as well um you talked about the millennials and, and how they view um the kind of church going on um talk a bit more about the culture and of, of millennials uh, and the kind of mission that therefore needs to be done uh, amongst them yeah I suppose I think millennials are are just significant about relationships um, and I think that millennials are not the, so they might look at the church and say that's it's institutional it's not relevant for my life there's a there's a good book by Mayer called uh, The Faith of Generation White and it talks about how uh, this generation had their own personal trinity, which is themselves, their family, and their friends. And the way that they formulate their views and their opinions is through their own personal trinity, which is why uh, social media platforms like Facebook and Twitter and that are so important. So if they get a new thought or a new experience, they put that out on Instagram or Facebook or Twitter. 
and then they wait to see how many likes they get. You know, if they get a load of thumbs ups and if they get a load of little hearts, then they know that that kind of resonates with people and then that becomes part, that validates their experience or that becomes part of their truth. And so if the church is outside of people's personal trinity trying to communicate something in of truth, then the kind of response you can expect is, well, well who are you? And, well, we're the church. And they go, I'm not interested. I'm not, I'm not religious. But but if we become build community, if we build relationships with these people, then 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 we then we basically become part of their personal trinity, and that we can communicate in something of truth about what we believe, and um, and that becomes a lot more relevant. So I think for us within Kahila, the idea is that is that as a church and as a cafe, that we build that those community. And they build those relationships. So we do it through a whole load of different platforms. Live music events, poetry evenings, book clubs, bring and share supper clubs. We've done origami workshops. The, the idea of let's find a common interest um, and then and build relationships over that. And then and then we share life. You know, so as I as I ask people questions about their journey, their story, their life, they they then ask me questions about my story, my journey, my life. And that creates an opportunity to share something, but not only that. Once I've listened to their story, you can you can see points where God is at work in their story, and you can point to that. And, and maybe part of a season that we need to be thinking about is that maybe we should be listening people into the kingdom of God, rather than trying to preach them into the kingdom of God. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think a cafe is a great environment where we get to hear each other's stories. Um, and so, and so that is that's the church. You know, the the church is not an event. It's not a service. It's it's a way of life. And through the cafe, we an expression of church of bringing life in community. So, so somebody walks into the cafe. Um, are you on the ground a lot of the time? Did the start how are the staff trained um, to engage in these relationships in this life giving type of relationship? Yeah, it's it's been um it's been an interesting journey on that because um when when we first started, I was doing shifts all the time, working um almost every day doing shift, and and it was and it was great because I would I would serve people and you start with hey how's your day or what are you up to today and you know people then say oh I've got a job interview or um or they just share a little something. And then when you when they come back a couple of days later, you say, "Oh, how you know? How did your job interview go?" And and so you you kind of listen and you take interest in people. And then I'm just hanging out in the cafe. Um, I'll be you know writing teaching for the evening or doing something. People just come over, and and carry on the conversation. And so I I felt like in the first few few uh, few weeks I was having more conversations about Jesus with people in, in a week than I had working in a church for a year. You know, it was just. I'm unbelievable how many people were just coming up and asking questions because they began to establish lightly that we were a church or that we were different and they were just exploring and asking those questions um, but but then the cafe got incredibly busy so it used to be that somebody would come in you start a conversation and there's no one else in so you can chat with them a bit longer but now another person's coming in another person so you know one after the other back to back so it becomes harder to have those discussions. So, so now we link with a, a mission organisation where some missionaries come and get involved and and help, so that we can carry on some conversations and discussions as as they grow and develop. Um, because, I mean, and that's one of the tensions about being a business as mission or, or business as church is that you, um, 
you know you can't from a business perspective you can't employ people just to to not serve the customers and just to sit around and talk to people so um and it's just trying to strike that balance because for us if the business failed the mission failed so so we had to make sure that and we still have to make sure that the business continues to survive because we don't have a church saying hey if you can't pay your bills this month don't worry we'll write you a check which would be lovely um but we don't have that so we have to make sure the business works um but the good thing about that is that if you've got a really good business a thriving business you've got a great mission because if people are coming in you've got community potential community potential mission so um but but it's an ongoing uh, balance of trying to help encourage staff to kind of knowing when to carry on with discussion and dialogue and when to kind of okay balancing between the work as well um and have you seen people journey from literally just walking in and buying a coffee to actually being an integrated part of your church community um we've seen a lot of people in process i think one of the the challenges we've had in in brick lane is it's such a and this generation actually is that very transient you know so they're um so they would come in the cafe every day for like three months and you build great relationship with them and uh, you know they'll be coming in and finishing off their phd or masters or setting up their own little business and you really build great friendships with them and then like that they disappear you know they they just go and you you don't know where what's happened where they've gone um and and then a year later they'll turn up again i mean i was talking to one girl who um, had been a Mormon for 22 years and she'd just come over and ask me all these questions about, about the person of Jesus and trying to unpack what Mormonism was for her and, and, and sort of seeing what Christianity was for me and, and we were building this great relationship and um, and then and then overnight she just disappeared another great story, there's a Muslim guy that we were all um, building a relationship with in a corner shop, at the chicken shop and um, and we built a great relationship with him and one day he just came in and said, "Guys, can you just pray for us? We, I've, I've, I've had enough. I want to get out, and I've been trying to get a visa for Germany. Can you just pray for us?" And so I said, "Well, yeah, but but you know we're Christians." And he's like, "Yeah, yeah, that's fine. Well, when we pray, we like to pray in the name of Jesus. Yeah, yeah, that's fine. Uh, well, also when we pray, we like to lay a hand on. On yeah, that's fine. So the guy at the time stood behind the till, stepped behind the till, laid a hand and prayed for him, and within a week he was gone, and." And of course, like as a as a church leader, planter, you kind of go, you know, you'd love the story. And he came back, he'd given his life to Jesus, and now he's training for the ministry. To, you know, we'd I'd love to kind of have that story, but it's just that he's gone. And and I think a significant part of our ministry on Brick Lane is being comfortable with the fact that we're just being, I call it the Good Samaritan principle, which is just that we're being a short blessing in someone's life in a short period, and we never know quite where that goes. But it's being okay with that. Um, being okay just to be that short blessing in a short mm -hmm. period of time. Um, so we, we we see a lot of that. And uh, one of the things I'm excited to to explore and discover as we plant into Forest Gate is that there it will be less transient because people live there more and, and to really build community and relationships in those ways to see how that will be different. I mean, time's almost gone, Paul, but just, okay. just I suppose one question, therefore, is for, for church leaders listening. Yeah is whether they can bolt this something like this onto an existing church or whether that would actually kill it or whether it needs to be a a separate entity yeah from which a church develops and grows in in a, you know in church in quotes yeah 
I suppose I always I always ask whenever I meet with church leaders and they come and and, they, and ask questions about Kahale, I always ask them, "What's your vision for people?" And start from there. And if if your vision is to really reach the lost, or to reach those that are completely unchurched, is starting with inviting them into a church, the best place, you know. And and if we talk about the principle of belonging before believing, then again, bringing in, our churches are centered around belief. In you know with the, the the kind of scriptures across and everything, it makes people feel uncomfortable and an agenda. So I do think we need to create neutral zones where we focus on giving people what they want and then give them what they need, and 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 build relationships in that way. So so obviously, I would say there's many benefits we've discovered about doing uh, church in buildings that don't feel like church. Um, well, as as we close, uh, Paul, just some details in terms of how folk can discover a bit more. It's been fascinating to hear, yeah. So your story uh, and your journey, but there's a website, no doubt. Yeah, absolutely. Um, www.kahila-church.com. Okay, um, and Kahila spell again. Remind us. K a h a i l a. Fantastic. Okay. Well, my thanks Great. to my thanks to Rob and. Uh, uh, for helping us with the conversation and to Paul too and uh, do log on to Premier's own website uh, and uh, find our archived versions of Allegiant File including this one in due course I look forward to your company again next Sunday at 3.30 thanks for tuning in You've been listening to The Leadership File on Premier. Andy Peck serves as a tutor at CWR, a Christian charity whose courses and publications aim to apply God's word to everyday life. Contact him via email apeck at cwr.org.uk.